Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. guys welcome back to cheaper than therapy um today is it's a good one it's a good one yeah I feel like this episode is I want to say for the mamas but it's like you know it's a little bit for um I don't know anyone who like wants a little insight into the world of like what parenting is and what mothers um I don't know, tackle on the daily, you know? Yeah. And we're talking like, what is it like IRL, like in real life, in the moment, because you'll experience that throughout this interview. Um, we had kids in the background, we had things cutting in and out. I mean, it was, it, it's, it's laughable because Danae and I were talking afterwards, like it's very indicative of mamahood. Real. Yeah. <laughs> parenthood I mean, actually. We were sort of joking about the things that you sort of like get as parents, once you become parents and like, you start like, I remember I, I always tell this joke about how like I would go over to people's houses that had kids before I had kids and I would see like their, you know, toys and everything everywhere. And I would be like, oh God, like have a space for them. <laughs> Stop being like, you know, or like continue being humans and like put their stuff somewhere else. And now I like laugh at the ignorance of my former self. and like, oh, that was cute that you thought that that was what you do. Now it's like, have a space for you. Right. It's their right. house and you just live there. <laughs> I, I'm just, well, I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm, you know, invited to, to have a space to live there in his house. Yeah. Oh, I think I think you all will enjoy this. I mean, even if you're not a parent, um, there's a lot of insight I think to be gleaned from these two. Uh, they are they are wise. Like they have a lot mm. of personal experience, but they they've done a lot of work with um, specifically with mothers, right? But I know in their community, I mean, I've been following them for a bit, so I have seen a lot of fathers kind of um, join into the conversation. A lot of dads being like, you know, just I'm glad that people are talking about this, and um, I, I can come here and get answers and things like that. So they're very um, open and non-shaming and non-judgmental and very like welcoming of all the ways and all the approaches. Um, and so, you know, Danae and I value that a lot. And, and I think that's going to be insightful for a lot of people. Yeah. I think, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, so much of, there's so many of these, um, social media, like parenting advice sites. Like I get a little bit like, like this can feel like really shaming to moms. Like they're already beating themselves up. They're already feeling like I should be doing more. But what I really like about their approach is it's very sort of like community feel and Mm -hmm. we're supporting one another and we're not sort of like talking at you about what you should be doing. They're very real. And again, like you said, we like, you feel that in their energy in this episode that they're very real about like, oh no, we're in this struggle with you. And we're just like supporting one another in the space of community which I think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Day by day. That's how we're all living. <laughs> ah, yes. Enjoy. We're so excited to have the mama psychologist with us today. Caitlin Slavins and Chelsea Bodie are registered psychologists, parenting experts, perinatal specialists, and the founders of Mama Psychologists, where they focus on supporting the mental health and well-being of mothers and parents at every stage of their parenting journey. Um, Caitlin and Chelsea, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here today. 
So we found, I mean, I found you originally and kind of brought you guys to the name because I sort of, I don't even remember how I found you. I, I mean, Instagram is a crazy world, right? But uh, Danae and I are also new parents, new-ish. I mean, Danae's little mm-hmm. one is four, mine is 16 months. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist online too, but I'm also a mama online, always looking for other, you know, mental approaches to things and like different techniques and different ways in. I by no means consider myself an expert in child psychology. It was definitely that part in school where I zoned out and didn't pay much attention because I didn't have a kid at the time and I never thought I'd need it, but here we are. Um, So I'm really, really grateful to have you both on here and, and just to be able to kind of share your insight with our listeners. But I would love to hear about you two. Like, how did you get into this work? How did you meet? What was the decision behind, you know, kind of launching and creating the platform that you guys have? Caitlin and I actually met um, working at the hospital at our local hospital here in town. And we were both uh, going through our master's at the same time, I believe, different programs. Um, So we're just kind of starting out new in the field and kind of figuring things out. And we always had joked from ever since then that like, oh, one day we'll work together again and it'll be great. And that wasn't, we just, yeah, it's just kind of a conversation that we had going on in the background. And then Caitlin had her little boy in 2017. And then we both actually were pregnant at the same time with my first and her second in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so after our little kitties were born, we just kind of had some conversations and we're like, man, we feel like there's some like lacking resources. Like we feel kind of lost in this motherhood journey Mm -hmm. together. And why don't we like start mama psychologists together? So it was kind of a happy accident that it all came to be. Um, we were doing private practice together. So we office share and things like that. And I was actually still in NICU with my little boy and Caitlin was on mat leave. And we just decided to kind of jump in to this journey together and it became bigger than we ever anticipated. Hmm. Yeah, we kind of grew it on accident. I don't know if it's on accident, but it's like, well, we'll just start this page for some, like we live in a small city in Southern Alberta, a hundred thousand people. We're like, if we get 2000 followers, we're like golden. Like, oh my gosh, we'll be like so well known. And (laughs) here we are (laughs) a year, a year in what? A couple months later, and we're just so happy at what we've created and the brand that we've created and Mm. the safe space that we've created for moms. I mean, when you were at the hospital working together, were you interested in working with moms and like kind of focusing on child rearing, or is this something you both kind of pivoted into once you had this like epiphany of this is where we want to focus? I think, I don't know, not really for myself because I was like, what? how long ago Chelsea was that like eight years ago we were like in our 20s like (laughs) mom being a mom was kind of the first thing from my mind at that point I really liked working with kids children's mental health but really the postpartum stuff didn't emerge until I became a mom and I kind of like got immersed in it because you experience it and I think it's tricky to really work with postpartum moms and I'm sure you can do it but until you've had that experience yourself until you've been up a thousand times in a night until you've kind of had that anxiety and that worry and that concern. Mm. Were you interested before? 
I was interested in having never asked each other this question. Um, mine's super similar to Caitlin. So I also initially specialized in child and adolescent mental health. So I worked a lot with um, families and in the parenting capacity and one-on-one -on -one with youth doing like play, play therapy and things like that. And so I think once my journey didn't go as anticipated, I was like, how many others are out there that are struggling and they don't, I was struggling and I have all this knowledge and I quote unquote know what to do and I have no idea what to do. Um, so I think that really like pushed me into that area and Caitlin and I just happened to go through it really at really similar times. Mm -hmm. Chelsea, will you say a little bit more about um, like what you mean when you talk about some of the struggles and like the postpartum realm that we experience as mothers that I feel like a lot of times aren't given enough voice. And I sit with so many mothers that feel so much shame about how much they're struggling and the fact that it's like, these are things that you can't say out loud. And I think it's, it's really vital that we actually like speak, no, actually this is what it feels like. And this is what is happening for us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think for myself, I had a lot of shame and guilt because I had a premature baby. I didn't feel like a mom. And I was like, am I supposed to feel like a mom now? Like, what does a mom even feel like? I don't feel connected to my baby. I don't feel like a caregiver. I don't even know, like, I feel like I know what that means. So yeah. I think a lot of it can come out with this like identity shift into motherhood and, and what that means and how your role kind of shifts. And if it doesn't go how we quote unquote see it in social media, right with this, like, it's beautiful and wonderful and you hold your baby and it's this magical moment. And I would say it's probably not like that for most people that mm. it's scary and there's a lot of fear and a lot of floundering where we're just like, what are we supposed to do here? Like, am I supposed to have these intrusive thoughts that I, like, I think my baby's going to be harmed or something's going to happen. Am I supposed to have, be this anxious or am I supposed to be this sad? And it's all within the realm of normal. It's not okay to feel, but it's okay to feel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, and a lot of people don't have that narrative because I think social media kind of feeds into that. And it's like, no, it's supposed to be beautiful and perfect. And that's not real life. Yeah. 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 Thank you for saying that. I was just writing something about how, like when I look back at, you know, my kiddo's four now, but when I look back in those first years of motherhood, I sort of like wince and it's hard for me to go there. Cause it was like a really sort of dark period, actually. Like I felt deeply isolated and just so disconnected from myself. Um, and I feel like a lot of times there's just a, like, I really love this child, but at the same time, something about this just feels so different than what I feel like it's supposed to. And I think, thank you both for, you know, creating space for that in your platform for moms to sort of have this reflected back to them that like, no, actually this is, I would say like more, more most of the time, how yeah. that period feels for a lot of us. Yeah. Well, and then I wonder too, like, it makes me almost think, where did that narrative come from? Like, where did this really damaging narrative? Because it was, I think it was here long before social media. I think social media has just amplified it, right? Like this narrative of like this beautiful, you know, even birth. I mean, for me, even birth itself, and it sounds like, you know, for you too, Chelsea, like was not what I thought it was going to look like or be like, or feel like, right? Like I, I kind of had this vision and it was the opposite of everything I could have envisioned. It's like, where does this really harmful narrative come from? Because so many times I think that that, that holding on to what it should be is what causes so much of our suffering, mm -hmm. whether it's birth, whether it's the first moments with your kid, whether it's the first year, whether it's what your relationship with your partner is going to be like once that baby's born and you guys start parenting together, right? 
we just hold on to these, these ideas of what it should be. And I think that's the most damaging thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's, we, we did a post recently on like the contradiction of motherhood and it just feels like everything is so like, you know, I'm, I want to be grateful. I'm supposed to be grateful, but I'm also like grieving and I'm also sad. Or, right. You know, I, I want my freedom that I used to have, but I love my child more than anything. And there's this like dissonance that happens where we're like, I cannot figure out how to make this feel okay in my brain because mm. I feel like I'm supposed to feel like all this positive stuff. And there's all this underlying negative stuff, just like festering. Yeah. Will you guys speak a little bit more to the grief in the transition? Because I I've seen that in your posts a little bit. And I think that that's really important. Like the, the shedding of myself as the archetype of maiden and transitioning into motherhood, I think is, um, there is just so much grief involved in the experience of like, what is lost in terms mm. of the person I was that I will never be again. We always look at accepting the duality of these emotions and being comfortable, just holding both of them. And just the first step with emotional regulation is acknowledging, validating, like I'm okay to feel grateful and I'm okay even if I grieve and I'm sad and I'm a little bit angry like that's okay it's okay to be a little bit frustrated but then also grateful at the same time it doesn't have to be an extreme it doesn't have to be one or the other like you can feel both mm-hmm. at the same time I feel like that's the te- holding the tension of the opposites that we talk about so much right like that two things can be true and exist simultaneously and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I feel like when I was pregnant or maybe when I was when I first had my little one, I, I think it was actually you, Danae, that said like, you got to give it, I think you said two or three years. I think you said two years until you'll start to feel like quote unquote yourself. Person. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I think whatever. I said a person. I think you I said a person. Yeah. <laughs> and, and realizing now that she's, you know, she's a year and a half or whatever, a little shy, um, I don't actually know what that will look like or feel like, like I I'm not this idea of feeling like yourself again. Like, what does that even mean? Right. Mm. Like who am I now is so different than who I was then that I don't know what it'll look like at, at two years. Like, will this, I mean, I know the answer to this, but it's like, will the light switch go off and all of a sudden I'll feel like myself or, you know, do I just, I feel like I, I hear this a lot from moms. It's like, I just, to, to see what you were talking about today, this grief of like, I was this artist or I was this, um, you know, creative person, or I had this exercise routine, or I was a, a for me, very strict meditator. And, and I feel like I've lost touch with a lot of that um, since entering motherhood. And I'm still beating myself up over it. And what you guys were saying earlier, I have the tools, like I have all this knowledge and I beat myself up. So I can only imagine what most people go through. I feel curious, Caitlin, you know, in the realm of what Vanessa was just saying, what it feels like when there's two, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so you have like a four-year-old, right? And then like, you sort of started over again, it sounds like in the process of almost a two-year-old. So like, how does that, how do you sort of catch your breath? Or like, what is, what does that feel like for you? (laughs) You're like, ha ha, catch my breath. breath. It's an imperfect balancing act. Mm. And even and I think that really like shone a lot of light because I do um, some work with um, children and family services and parents that are really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen, I've seen a lot in my career, just parents that have struggled and have had encounters with children and family services. And, and it almost like, it gave me this, I don't know if I want to say like false confidence, but I'm like, 
okay, like I can do it. I can handle it. I have the skills and I have the tools and like, it'll be fine. Like I'll be totally okay. And I wasn't. <laughs> and I have the education, I have the skills and I have the tools and I'm well-resourced and I have a partner and like a support system. And I struggled mm -hmm. like it and still daily, like it's hard this morning. It was like a crap show. It was like, nobody was listening to me and I had to take a bike away and doing this. And it's just, it's a balancing act and it's not perfect, Yeah, but you do what you need to do to get through your day. And it's okay. You're going to have moments where things aren't great and it's not picture perfect. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, can you look back and reflect and say, like, you know what? It wasn't a perfect day, but I was attuned and I was connected to my kids. Mm -hmm. And maybe I yelled a couple of times, but we're happy and we're healthy and we're, we're okay at the end of the day. And it really, it gave me a lot of empathy for parents that maybe don't have that support system or they don't necessarily have those resources. So that's also what we try to do every day. And when we dive into the parenting bit, it's just giving like a strategy or something that like mm -hmm. makes the day a little bit easier. There's one strategy that it's like with bedtime, it's reframing like, okay, it's time for our bodies to rest. And mm -hmm. we had messages saying like, this worked so well with my little kid. I just started using it this week. <laughs> oh, and my kid, yeah. like he used it yesterday. He was talking to our dog. He's like, oh, hey, Cora, it's nighttime. It's time to rest our bodies. Like just totally <laughs> unprompted we weren't even really talking about mm. bedtime or anything like that but just giving them little pieces and strategies and tools here and there just to make things a little bit easier and for them to feel a little bit more resourced mm -hmm. I love that so much what I feel curious about was a little bit okay so as much as I am so grateful for platforms like yours and strategies like the one that you're just suggesting Caitlin what I find it comes up a lot um for moms, and I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts about this, is like a lot of these mommy, like these are ways to do things platforms can feel deeply shaming to mothers mm -hmm. in terms of like, this is the way you should be doing this, that you're not and you're failing. And it's just another, you know, like these are strategies, these are crafts, these are ways you should talk to your child about the whatever. Pinterest moms. <laughs> yes. And I find like, I, I've gotten a little bit like, well then unfollow it if it's making you feel worse because I hear so many moms talking about because I yelled today get your ass in bed <laughs> of, it's time to rest your body I'm like that's beautiful <laughs> just kidding but what are you guys' thoughts on, on that because I feel like that comes up a lot yeah sorry I was just yelling at my kids to get off the road <laughs> See, exactly. What, yeah. you, what you all listening didn't see was the mute button went on and she was yelling into this. <laughs> yeah, you, you, can, you see me, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, we totally, totally get it. And we follow a lot of those like same pages too. And there's a point where I have to stop watching stories because there's 25 stories about how to do like one thing. And that's why we don't share like a lot of like extended information mm -hmm. Yeah. on our stories where it's just like here's a bit here here's a bit there because like I get information overload so yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. uh, but even like the other day what was it that post yesterday where I gave an example and then somebody's like well clearly you don't have like 
three kids and okay, I'm going to whip out the Play-Doh every time my kid gets mad. <laughs> no, it's just an example. Like, and I mean, like you give the information and people can take it however right. they choose, right? And it's like, if it's too much and it's too overwhelming for you, oh, I'm just going to have to. <laughs> this is amazing. See, this is like the most perfect podcast yeah. background music <laughs> that we like, can possibly have about this topic. Life. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. <laughs> I don't know where she's going with that. For, so first and foremost, what our main philosophy is, here's one tool or here's one concept. And then we always try to ask, like, what works for you? Or what? Mm. how do you feel about it? Or like, let's create that. a dialogue about it. So right. we want to have those conversations where it's like, yeah, this is one idea, but we know that there's hundreds of other ways to do this and we can't possibly fit it in one post. So, you know, let us know, like share with us. And mm -hmm. so we just ask that people try to keep it as respectful as possible, but we love to have those like conversations and those dialogues on our, our posts. So we can like other moms can read like, yeah, this worked for me, or this is what I do too, or this is what happened for me the other day and, and things like that. I think that was where Caitlin was going. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly for any of you watching this on our, on the YouTube right now, watching Caitlin's little one, just pop his face in and her trying to yell at them. She's not busy. Not at all. She's doing I know, a podcast right? and she's got it's her two just like running on the road I'm like ah, there's a car coming he's getting a manicure during <laughs> interview right now it's wild it's a wild day every day and it's every not day. perfect and sometimes your kid runs on the road and you have to yell and like yeah. it just it is what it is I posted something um this week about I have a sleep specialist that I my partner and I have been working with since um my daughter was I think she was probably 12 weeks old and I posted something about her and I was just like saying, I'm so grateful to have her because she's kind of just like a go-to for me like when I have questions or when I have this, when I have that. And somebody responded to me, um, like as a therapist, I don't think you should be promoting sleep training. And I was like, all right, well, let me tell you all the ways why I think that is wrong. And I'm going to comment back. And I like put a post about it and I actually got a lot of like positive feedback. And what's funny is that I had like probably six people that DM me that were like, I'm a therapist and I did sleep training. I'm a therapist and I did, you know, and I just said, I'm like, first of all, this idea of being a therapist and I can't, I had a vision. Like I had a vision, first of all, like I wanted to be this like, you know, glowing uh, mom that co-slept with her beautiful child and everything went perfect. And, that didn't happen. My kid never liked to co-sleep. She wasn't into it. She was up all night. I was getting two hours of sleep a night. And what I said was like, my mental health and my relationship with my partner were suffering. And so that needed to become the priority, right? Because happy, healthy mom, happy, healthy baby, period, hard stop. No matter how we get there, that has to be the priority because that baby can't be happy and healthy if you're not taking care of you. And so it's like, you can take or leave whatever I say. Like, I'm not saying you should be doing this with like a finger pointing in your face, but I'm saying this worked for me. No shame and no judgment. Here's her info, because if somebody else will benefit from her, please, dear God, please use this woman because she's phenomenal. Right. It's just, it's tough. It's like, you want to give this advice. You want to give not advice necessarily, but just um, maybe insight or a different way of looking at things. And I think sometimes with the overwhelm and stress of being a mom, like I get it, it becomes hard to take that in without it feeling like, I don't know, you're saying that they're doing something wrong or you're saying that their approach might be not correct or something. So it's like, I try to understand that projection at the same time. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation about this. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I think it's, you know, it and it all 
always has to do with like us projecting our own experience of shame. I do think like sleep and mamas is like the most difficult experience I've gone through in my life up to this point. So it's really understandable while, why, um, yeah, it just feels deeply activating to like, feel like whatever I did was maybe the wrong choice or I should have, or I should be doing something other than what I'm doing. It's like that place. I just feel like I'm failing. Or maybe here's this mom that's telling you I'm sleeping eight hours a night. If you're struggling that much, like you don't have to struggle. You can reach out. There is this resource. And then we have the shame around, but like, I really truly believe that I shouldn't be using that resource. And so I'm going to stay. I don't want to say I'm going to choose to stay in my suffering, but I have experienced that a lot, um, especially with moms. And Danae and I actually were having a conversation similar to this before we jumped on with you where for those of us, at least in my experience as a massive over-functioner, at what point do I have to look at myself and say, I am choosing to stay in the, I've got it. I have to handle it all. I have to be this perfect kind of mom. My kids have to eat this perfect, like Danae was saying, this perfect kind of organic way. I have to be making my kids these Pinterest style lunches with like cut out stars of the cheese and the watermelon, right? And all these things. And if I'm not, then I'm somehow failing. And I think at some point in my own work, I've really had to you know, and Danae and I talk about this actually a lot. It's like, at what point do I say I'm doing this to myself to a certain degree? Um, and, and do I want to continue this path or do I want to actually choose a different path, which might look like what you guys were saying, right? Like Caitlin, it's like, it's not perfect. It's messy, but are my children loved? Like, are we connected at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that perfectionism and it really goes back to like, what are your values? Yeah. And I know for myself, my values are spending quality time with my kids and engaging with them in just fun quality things. And often times my house is a dumpster fire, but it goes down to my values. Spending this time with my kids is more important than maintaining a clean house. And for some Mm -hmm. people, it's a quality home cooked meal. We can't keep the bar high in all areas, right? We have to lower the bar in some areas because if we keep the bar high in all these areas, something's got to get, right? Something's going to slip, something's going to fall. And often it it would be us too, because we can't keep the candle burning at both ends. Well, and also like, I'm going to be mediocre at 10 things, or I can be really good at two. Right. Um, and so what, what do you like, what do you always say today? It's like, pick your poison. Right. Mm. Well, yeah. You know, and I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on what I talk to so many moms about is the emotional weight that we carry. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, um, I think Glennon Doyle was having a conversation on her podcast With about her this sister. recently. Yep. And, um, you know, this thing of like, our partners coming to us and saying, what do you need help with? Right? Like what needs to be done? But like the emotional weight of like, I am carrying all the organizing of what needs to be done. I have the awareness of all of these things. I'm thinking about the fact that it's a birthday and that they're going to need party favors and what we're going to do for favors. And that is something that oftentimes it still feels like moms are carrying. Um, And I'm just curious what you guys' thoughts are on about that, if that's like something that has come up in your posts and that type of things with moms. Yeah, absolutely. We do, we call it like the mental to-do list. And so this is like the running tally throughout the day that we do. We recently just actually just went on like the summer, um, our summer edition because holidays, activities and camps and, you know, all of these things that moms have to like organize. And it's like, 
like, for example, my son is in swimming lessons and my husband's like, can you pack the bag and I'll pick him up after daycare and I'll take him to swimming. I was like, well, you can pack the bag. Like, you know what he needs for swimming. Um, so it's like, it's like where moms feel like they almost this responsibility where it's like, oh, okay. So I have to like, make sure the bag's packed. Do they have sunscreen? Do they have this? Do they have that? Do they have that? Do I have snacks? Right. And it's like this constant running tally almost. And so what we find is this kind of almost leads into like what we, what we call like maternal burnout. So it's like, you get so exhausted, you get so resentful, right? All of these like warning signs and this like anger starts to come out. So we talk about more so like in our clinical practice about, okay, how can you divide that workload? Or if that's not an option, how do you give yourself that self-compassion and awareness to have those breaks and take space for Mm-hmm. We kind of have to try to balance between the two because we also recognize that not everyone is going to have the support system in place that they they need to to be able to be like, okay, you take part of this load off of me. Well, and I also I love that. And I also think too, this is what probably what Danae would say to me in my overfunctioning would be like, sometimes you say to your partner, you pack the bag. And if your kid ends up with a sunburn because dad didn't pack sunscreen then that might be what like needs to happen. Like baby's not going to die, but like that might be what needs to happen for dad to go next time. I need to remember the sunscreen because if you're always packing the sunscreen because you want to make sure the baby doesn't get sunburned, then dad probably isn't going to ever have to think about it because you've got it covered. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, what's really hard for somebody like me, who is that like very kind of over-functioning. I'm always thinking 25 steps in advance. I don't, ever let other people potentially fail in order to learn it for themselves. And I see that a lot with moms. Um, It's like, they're so worried about the quote unquote failing or like the kid's going to die. Right. Which I sometimes just ask mom, like, are they going to die? Like, if you don't do this thing and you let dad do this thing, just to say mom and dad, I mean, it's, this could be same sex too. Will the baby die? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. (laughs) So it's like, okay, well then you might have to not do the thing in order for the other person to like learn, right? And step up in a way. When I have to work or I have to do something during the day and my husband gets my kids up and ready, he will pick out like, I don't know. It's just- I know what you're going to say. I'm afraid you're going to say it. Fashion or anything (laughs) like that, right? It's just like, she's wearing what? (laughs) And then then I would like bug him and tease him a little bit. Yeah. And probably a little bit too much. But Mm. then he got to the point where they- well, you need to pick out her outfit because you're going to make fun of me. And I'm just like, okay, maybe I need to just rein it in a little bit. But just acknowledging that like he's trying and it's not like, it's not perfect, right? But then also what I was doing was kind of interfering with him being like independent in like choosing what she was going to wear. I love that. I heard Will Smith speaking to that in an interview once. And I just thought it was so profound. He was like, mamas, we get it. Like you're the center of the universe. Like you, you guys reign supreme, you do it all better. And you got to let us parent too. Like you got to get out of there. And I really think that, you know, as moms, sometimes we have to be real that people rise to the expectations. I think that we set for them. And I love what you said, Chelsea, about like, you can pack the bag, right? And yes, they probably won't pack the bag the way that I would do it. And you know what? It's really sort of my work to sort of stay in the discomfort that comes up for me around the outfit that looks crazy. And I love how much we were all like smirking. Before you even said it, we're like, yep. (laughs) Because it it is, it's like, and can I not shame my partner in the space of them not doing it the way that I would do it? Because then they feel really shut down, right? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm having so many examples that are running through my mind right now of all of the gatekeeping that I do 24 seven and the comments that I, I get a lot of times from him where it's like, I feel like you're, sometimes it feels like you're micromanaging my parenting. Like you could be in the other room and it's like, you're hearing and you're listening and like, I'll say something or comment on something from like the other room. And he's like, Oh my God, let me be, you know? And I I do it. It's, it's like, I'm possessed. It's like, I do it. And I don't even have the time to think (laughs) about it before I open. It's automatic, right? It's just like, there's no awareness. It just you know it's like and it could be silly things like I I guess maybe because I don't know I don't want to say I spend more time with her but like I speak her language differently I suppose you know she doesn't speak clearly enough but like I pretty much understand like 98% of what she says and I don't know that he does and so like I'll be translating from her for her two rooms away when she's like telling him she wants something and he's like what 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 and I'm like she wants the blah blah blah." (laughs) you know and he's like oh first of all how did you even hear that second of all, like, leave me be, you know? And yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, I just, I know that I'm not the only one. That's why I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. I think it's also a little bit like what Chelsea was saying, like, if it's possible to divide and conquer, I think that's really helpful. Like for me, one of the greatest gifts, (laughs) it sounds weird to say, but when my marriage ended, it was like, I had no choice, but to sort of like hand things over and trust that it would get done to my kid's dad. And it's like, in a lot of ways that's been really helpful because it's sort of like forced me to focus back in on myself at times when I would be like in there micromanaging like with what he's doing, but also it's given him the opportunity to rise into the role of father in just like such a beautiful way because he has just as much of like the shared responsibility that I do. I love that. Such a a beautiful way of looking at something that I think people don't look at that way Mm -hmm. or at least struggle to sometimes. Well, it's a lot of extra time on my hands. Ladies, you might want to try <laughs> dividing it up a little bit. It's kind of <laughs> awesome. Just saying. Well, and that's, so this is the kind of the tangent I wanted to go on earlier because I wanted to to see, you know, Chelsea and Caitlin, what your thoughts on this were. But so Danae has, I won't tell her story for her, but she had um, a personal experience with Esther Perel uh, a couple of years ago where she was on retreat with her. And, and Esther really, um, from what I understand, kind of, has a lot of feelings. Yeah. Has a lot of feelings about at least American parenting. Um, Mm. but I feel like it's probably a similar thing. Like let's say North American parenting, right. Um, for the Canadians too, she has very strong feelings about what she feels like is kind of this. Um, I mean, I'm going to use the term helicopter parenting. I don't know that she said that today, but what was that? What was that? I guess, conversation like for you? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that there is so much, and this is something that I talk to moms a lot. Like we feel like we are doing the right thing by helicoptering our children, by being like, okay, what are you involved in? Let me get down and be in the imaginal space with you. Let me like constantly be entertaining you. And a lot of ways she was just speaking to making our children, the center of our universe is actually not serving our children, right? Like what is that teaching them about? Like, us as human beings and how much we value ourselves as human beings that all of a sudden like martyring myself or disappearing because I've become a mother is somehow um, benefiting my child. It's actually the opposite. Like our children see us thriving and we're teaching them how to be like thriving adults in the world versus if like all of a sudden I've disappeared into the space of motherhood. Like, is that, is that what we want to teach them? Especially, I mean, my God, if we have little girls, like the minute you have a a baby, you just disappear and you just become a martyr and a mother and everything is about your child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, yeah, there's definitely some things that resonate with me within that for sure, because I think, you know, you're, you are doing your child a disservice, like not having a part of you within like that, 
that framework of motherhood, like I almost look at it as like a pie chart and it's like, okay, what roles do we play within there? And, you know, does motherhood take up 80% and is that okay with you or should mm-hmm. do we shift it? And, you know, what other pieces of the pie, so to speak, make that up and how can we make it feel a little bit more balanced? Obviously we know motherhood or parenthood is going to be the majority of it, especially while you have young children, but what happens when your children are grown and, mm-hmm. you know, how do we prepare? care for that in some ways because it's going to continue to shift and their dependency and their needs on you aren't going to be the same as when they're a a newborn or five or ten right and we have these moms or these parents really I mean I've I've worked with a lot of couples who will come you know the empty nest thing that happens and all of a sudden they don't know who they are personally but they also don't know who they are as a couple anymore and it's a it's a massive shift for them because a lot of women do this like 80 90 percent pie chart thing. And then the kids don't have the same reliance on them anymore. And and now they're like, what do I do with that 80% of me? Um, mm-hmm. And they have to almost relearn it after years and years of not tapping into it, right. Or having a relationship with that self. Um, but I find that people actually often don't, and they continue to cling on to the role yes, of motherhood right. long after their children are like done with your role being parenting them anymore. And it's like, right. there's not that healthy differentiation because it's like, no, 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 no. I'm still your mother. I'm still like deeply like enmeshed in what you're doing in your life because I, I, I was never anything other than your mother for so much of this like period of my life, you know? Yeah. I mean, today, I don't know if you guys can solve it today and I, our backgrounds are in depth psychology. So a lot of this stuff for us is like, let's get into like the spiritual aspect of it and be like, what is the components of the self, right? Because you as a mama, like there has to be something that makes you alive and there has to be something that enriches you and, and turns you on in that way that actually is separate from your children. Right. Yeah. And we get that too, with moms just asking, like, I don't know what else, like I am other than a mom. Like, this is all, what do I even like? Like, what do I even like do? And we also like, they go back to like, what kind of ignites your fire? Like what gets you like super passionate about what are your pain points? What kind of makes you angry? I love you asking those questions, Caitlin, because I hear that so much. Like, if someone were to write the story of my life right now, like I hear moms, like it makes me emotional thinking about like how much I've heard moms say this, like, what would they even write? Mm. Like, I feel like I'm not even a person anymore. I'm just sort of going through the daily motions of motherhood. And like my kids wouldn't know me except like the tasks of what I do for them all day. And that's heartbreaking. So like, I love that inquiry of like, how do I get back there? Like, what questions do I start to ask myself to like reconnect to who I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like you said about what are we teaching them? It just reminded me of that one of the stories in, in Glennon Toyle's last book, when she, I think it was actually called like, either we're making our kids assholes or something like that. But it was the thing about cream cheese where it was like the parent teacher <laughs> conference was like, make sure you bring like five flavors of cream cheese. And she was like, why do these kids need five flavors of cream cheese? Like we're turning our kids into assholes. Like they think that everywhere they go, they're going to be offered five flavors of cream cheese because that's how we're parenting. And so what are we actually preparing them for when they get into adult life? And like somebody doesn't offer them five, <laughs> so they, they just say, here's plain, take it or leave it. You know? <laughs> that's real. <laughs> That's real. I have to wait for just a couple minutes, so I will try to pop back on. But I will let Caitlin take it over for here for a little bit, and hopefully, Thank you, I- Chelsea. Thanks, Chelsea. For those of you listening, Chelsea had an emergency client situation, which all we're all therapists, so we get how that goes. <laughs> um, I was just thinking that this whole thing with Esther Perel, I just think, is really interesting because it it kind of circles back to this 
conversation you brought earlier about like the Pinterest mom and just seeing all this on social media and the pressure that it causes. And then it it just kind of loops back to like, well, how much of that pressure are we going to actually actively engage in? Or are we going to say, oh, this is my work to kind of put down and step away and, and, um, and work within the anxiety of feeling like I need to be a perfectionist, right? To use your word, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, I always, always emphasize like values, values, values. And sometimes people are like, oh, too much value talk. But it's like, this is what guides your life. And this is what guides your decisions and what's important, what's not important. So it's always so important to have that discussion even before baby comes. Because I know even for myself, like all of a sudden we never had that discussion and our toddler's two years old and he's like behaving like a two-year-old and we have different styles of parenting. and boom, like they were not the same, let me tell you. But that's beautiful though, because I I love this different way of having a conversation that I feel like I've heard prompted a lot with parents, which is not necessarily how how do your um, discipline styles differ, which I feel like it's talked about a lot. It's actually more about the two of you separately saying, what are my values, right? And I think the example you gave earlier was so beautiful. It's like, I value quality time having fun husband values, right? Or partner values, home cooked, like meals made with love that are healthy. Okay, great. So how can they actually fit together? They actually fit together beautifully because they complement one another, right? Mm. And so that to me feels like a deeper gateway into conversation than just, well, my style of discipline is going to look and look feel like this. And my style is this, because for some reason, that's the conversation I feel being, um, sparked in, in with a lot of new parents is the discipline style is kind of conflicting, but I think it's a positive reframe to say, actually, let's look at our values and, and where those align and differ. Um, and the jump off for that as a parent. Well, and you know, I find so often working with couples that I think this is a little bit, Caitlin, what you're speaking to on like a macro level is the fact that so often what we're fighting against is this person doesn't value or experience the world the way that I do. Um, So like for my kid's dad, like there's just like a very, like he, you know, has like structure is important and the way that you do things and containment and like those things are important for me, like expressing your authentic self is something that like is way more what I value. And can it be like, neither of us are necessarily wrong, right? It's just that our child is going to get a little bit of the flavor of both and then get to decide like what feels true for him because And isn't that great? I mean, isn't that actually when you pull back and you don't make it about yourselves personally, like, isn't that the ultimate goal that they get both containment and safety and structure and authenticity and voice? Like, doesn't Mm. that actually make for such a more well-rounded experience of parenting? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I never thought yeah. about it in that way, but I think that's a really good, like I said, it's like a positive reframe. I feel like. Yeah, no, I feel like Caitlin has definitely given us something in terms of like holding this as like, what for me do I value? And can I honor what my partner, my, you know, Absolutely. the child's other parent honored or yeah. values? Yeah. And do they complement each other? And right. sometimes they really will. And sometimes you can work on that too. Right? Mm. Yeah. I love that they can I have like that conversation be, tonight, actually. Yeah, like complimentary. Like if I like like you're speaking to like your husband loves to cook, it's like, well, I could not care less. So that's actually perfect because they are gonna get you these handle meals. that. <laughs> it really works out so well because I'm like, I just don't like never was interested, <laughs> don't want to. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. loves it. So it's great. Works out so so well. 
But see, I think that's actually like, to me, you're speaking to something bigger, which is like, how do we create new paradigms where it's Mm -hmm. not like mothers should be able to do everything because clearly Mm -hmm. it has not worked, right? Like us trying to do everything, carry everything isn't working. So how can we say like, okay, like let's divvy this up. What, what are our strengths? What's your strength? What's my strength? And then we'll decide like how we're going to do this as a team versus like, I should be carrying all of it because that is what mothers have done since the beginning. And then I'm going to burn out, right? Which is exactly what you two were speaking. And be resentful. And be resentful, right? And this is actually a part of, I, you know, I talk a lot, I I do a lot of work with codependency and, and I speak a lot about how we find ourselves in these very extreme kind of black and whites, right? And so, you know, for example, boundaries, if I'm somebody who's on the side of boundaries where I have none and I have diffuse boundaries, right? I struggle with setting boundaries. When I first start learning this stuff and start practicing, a lot of times I'm going to swing to the other side of the pendulum and I'm going to be putting up walls and, you know, they're going to come out like ultimatums. And and what I say to clients is um, that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes your system actually needs to kind of feel what it feels like to be on either side of the spectrum in order to figure out what healthy gray looks, feels, sounds like, right? And so it's kind of that. It's like, maybe the unhealthy extreme was really what we witnessed two yeah. generations, one generation ago in, in motherhood. And now I kind of feel like this helicopter mom thing is a little bit of that opposite side of the spectrum, right? Which also not healthy. And so then there's some of us that are saying, okay, I don't like either one of these. They don't feel good. So like, what is my gray? What is my middle ground? Because that's what I'm ultimately trying to find. And how can I create that within my motherhood role and my journey? Absolutely. And And like you said, sometimes it's going to go back and forth and that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I love it. I love the permission giving Caitlin. And I love the, like the community that you guys speak to in terms of like, well, this is what is working here for us. What are you guys doing that is working? I just feel like it's really permission giving for mothers. I love that. So we usually have some lightning round questions that we ask. I know it's just you now on your own, but if if you will indulge us. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. So Caitlin, who have been your greatest um, mentors, influences, like people who along your journey have really impacted the way that you, you do this thing called life? Oh, I would say definitely being a psychologist, we have to have people who supervise us. So my supervision mentors, they're just so kind and compassionate. And one was a quite like older lady. She was in her seventies and she was just so, so wise Mm -hmm. and just calm and regulated. And she's just seen it all, right? Like a psychologist for 40 years, like boom, you, you get it all. And just her, her advice is timeless. That's amazing. So the second question would be when you find yourself in this state of flow, what, what does that look like for you when you, you know, you have these moments where you're like, oh my God, you blink your eyes and five hours have gone by. What puts you in that state? Oh, definitely like a state of relaxation. Like <laughs> quiet. Usually right, as we're hearing the right now. Um, just like even starting the morning with a cup of coffee and just sitting in bed and getting grounded yes. right before the day is just so fundamental to just having like an okay day and being able to manage the moments because there's lots, there's tons of crying. There's crying all the time. Everybody's crying. <laughs> yeah, so just starting that. the day super, super grounded and having like just like that quality sleep is just so oh, important. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean... The nervous system of mothers, it's just like 
ride. We're just like, oh, it just it's just like you gotta ride the waves. Yeah, and totally. I'll be on Zooms and I'll have like kids crawling on me and, and like non parents will be like oh my god they're you can see they're like dysregulated for yeah. me <laughs> and you're like it's fine you just like pick the kid up put it over here pick the kid up put it over here. it is <laughs> funny that like the things you like stop noticing as a parent you're like what but it's fine it's it's really <laughs> not even yeah Oh, I was apologizing to a non-child having friend the other day about my ability or non-ability to be like having conversation with her and then looking at my toddler and being like, what, what do you need? Da, 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 and then coming back and trying to pick it back up again. And then being like, what, what do you need? And then coming back. But I don't apologize when I'm talking to Danae because she does the exact same thing. So it's like, we just know. Nope. <laughs> anyway, it's that mono language. Anyway. Um, so the next question is what breaks your heart? Oh, I've seen lots of kids that have really um, come from not great homes. And I also do quite a bit of work with our um, first responders and just, yeah, kind of stories that they've heard and tragedies that they've witnessed really like breaks my heart. Okay. The last question, it's a, it's a doozy. What's your favorite food? That's the hardest one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love um, honey garlic chicken wings. Oh, very specific. I I like it. The girl knows. (laughs) You said that was hard, but you were like very specific. like, oh no, honey garlic. That's what's up. (laughs) I love that. Oh, beautiful. Well, we appreciate you both so much taking the time. I know we know very, very much what it's like to have the mama, let's be home. Let's try to also work and juggle all these things. And so if you know, you know, know, then you know, (laughs) the people, the people who are not kids are going to be like, oh, I hear her kids screaming in the background. People who are kids are going to be like, yeah, that that sounds like they're like, ah, she gets Uh, me. Sounds about right. I I apologize to the non, um, (laughs) children. They're sleeping. sleeping. (laughs) Oh man. Well, we're very, very appreciative. Caitlin, I, I, like I said, I so appreciate you both jumping on and um, we'll definitely stay in touch through this journey, I'm sure. And will you just real quick tell people where they can find you guys' page if they're not following So we are on Instagram, just at Mama Psychologist, one word. And then we're also on Facebook, Mama Psychologist, one word. And then our website is mamapsychologist.ca. So we have a membership program that we offer. And then we are just launching um, a bedtime course as well. Oh, nice come check us out. We would love, yeah, we love growing our community as much as possible. Love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Caitlin. So nice to meet you, Mama. We'll speak soon. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.